It's Friday, September 2nd. I'm Pam Jones. The first week of school ended today with a deadly shooting outside of a Baltimore City High School this afternoon. A deadly shooting at an apartment complex near Morgan State University has left students and area residents shaken. New COVID booster shots will be available for Maryland residents as early as next week, now that the FDA and CDC have approved them. A program that gave thousands of needy Maryland students a free lunch during the pandemic has ended. A dire report from the National Center for Education Statistics shows how the pandemic eviscerated math and reading scores. And we'll hear from a labor reporter about how millennial workers are a driving force for unionization. It's the Daily Dose from WIPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Baltimore police confirmed late this afternoon that one student has died during a shooting at Mergenthaler Vocational Technical High School in the 2500 block of Hillen Road. A suspect who was apparently not a student at that school was taken into custody soon after the shooting in the parking lot. Police recovered a weapon, according to school officials. The incident occurred during dismissal just after 2.30. City homicide detectives are working with school police at the scene. Morgan State University has increased patrols after a 19-year-old security guard was shot at an apartment complex that houses some students. The guard was shot in the head Wednesday night at the Marble Hall Garden Apartments, and students who live in the complex say they are shaken. The security guard was contracted by the university through Allied Universal. Baltimore City Police are investigating the shooting. Governor Larry Hogan today announced that state health officials have formally authorized the new single-dose boosters for COVID-19 following approval by both the FDA and the CDC. As part of the state's COVID-ready plan, state health officials are encouraging residents to get the new shot for maximum protection against the virus and the highly contagious Omicron variants. Everyone 12 years of age and older are eligible for the new booster shot. The Maryland Department of Health has launched a website to help residents suffering from monkeypox. The site will allow residents to pre-register for the monkeypox vaccine. According to officials, enrollees will be notified when vaccine appointments become available. MDH has received more than 14,000 vials of the vaccine from the federal government. More than 500 cases of the disease have been reported in Maryland, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Data released Thursday by the National Center for Education Statistics shows that elementary math and reading test scores had the greatest decline since 1999 and 2004. In Maryland, more than half of students did not score proficient on last fall's state assessments. The medical director of Johns Hopkins Children's Center says the pandemic took an emotional and academic toll on students. WIPR's education reporter, Shekana Collier, reports. In a conversation on the Daily Dose podcast, Dr. Nakia Showell said consistent routines discussing feelings and setting academic goals are the best ways to help students recover from more than two years of disruptive learning. So if they're at the age where they can speak with you and say, I want to be able to achieve one, two, three by the end of the year, having those conversations early and frequently is going to be very important. She adds that nutrition and proper sleep are also essential to emotional well-being and a smooth transition back to school. 
For the first time in two years, some students in Maryland will have to pay for school meals. Food justice advocates say this will place a financial burden on many families in Maryland. More from Shekinah on that story. This change follows the U.S. government's decision to not extend waivers that have provided students with free meals regardless of their income since the beginning of the pandemic. Michael J. Wilson, director of Maryland Hunger Solutions, said that this change will create barriers for families in the state. We're going to look at families. They're going to have to put their dollars together to pay for school meals. Kids, once again, are going to start accumulating school meal debt and that we're going to see school food nutrition services um, are also having debt that they occur because kids are unable to pay their school meal debts. Some states, like California, offer free meals statewide, and Wilson hopes that Maryland will soon follow. Jekina Collier, WIPR News. The Maryland Board of Public Works approved a lease Wednesday to move the State Department of Assessment and Taxation into new quarters in Baltimore's Inner Harbor. WIPR's Joel McCord reports it will be the first agency to leave State Center since Governor Larry Hogan announced plans to turn the property over to Baltimore City. Lieutenant Governor Boyd Rutherford, who chaired the meeting, said the move will provide state employees a modern and vibrant workspace. For our state employees, there'll be a number of interior as well as exterior amenities, including the cafes, fitness center, shopping and restaurants that are there, right there downtown. In addition, he said it will help downtown businesses hurt by the pandemic. Which will also provide investment and spur additional economic and civic revitalization and transform- transformation in downtown Baltimore. Eventually, he said, the more than 3,000 state employees who work for 12 agencies at the Preston Street Complex will be moved downtown. I'm Joel McCord, WYPR News. The 2022 Maryland Cycling Classic takes place Sunday in Baltimore City and Baltimore County, and drivers can expect delays, parking restrictions, and road closures along the race route. The 120-mile race begins at 1.30 p.m. in the Sparks area of the county, with cyclists entering the city at around 4.30. The finish line is the Inner Harbor. There'll be a rolling caravan of support cars and motorbikes all along the race route. You can learn more about the race at WIPR.org. Well, just in time for the Labor Day weekend, gas prices continue to fall. New data from AAA shows the average price for unleaded gas sits at $3.75. It's more than 40 cents cheaper than this time last month. Drivers in the western region, as well as Montgomery and Prince George's counties, are seeing the highest prices. Earlier this week, we learned that employees of Mom's Organic Market became the latest retail store to unionize, as well as those at the Baltimore Museum of Art and the Maryland Institute College of Art. Let's also not forget about workers at the Apple Store in Towson that voted to join a union earlier this year, a first for the tech giant and a move touted as a significant achievement for organized labor. On the record, Sheila Cast spoke with Dave Jamison, a labor reporter for the Huffington Post, about labor organizing in the wake of a still-ever-present pandemic. How has union membership in the U.S. changed over time? In general, it's gone down. 
quite a bit. The the peak of union membership in the U.S. was in the 1950s, and at that point, around a third of all U.S. workers uh, belonged to unions. At this point in time, that number is, is down to around one in ten. So it, it's fallen uh, quite a bit, uh, particularly since the 1980s. So we're at a, a very low low point right now for for union membership and and organized labor has had a a hard time turning that around the the numbers have have stayed pretty strong in in the public sector but it's it's the private sector with private employers uh where numbers have really fallen and there have been lots of headlines covering organizing efforts and attempts to halt them has there been an actual rise in attempts by workers to unionize so what we are seeing that right now, I think starting last year, we saw a lot of strikes and we saw uh, workers kind of really throwing their weight around. And a lot of us were wondering, are, are, are we are we seeing something here? And I think at this point, we, we, there's proof that we are seeing something. The The number of election petitions has, has shot up considerably, not just over last year. We've seen through the first half of this year the, 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 the most in, in about uh, six or seven years. And uh, beyond that, the, the unions are winning the elections. Some new data we saw from, from Bloomberg showed that unions uh, at the National Labor Relations Board have won more than 600 union elections uh, through the first half of the year. That's, that's the most, appears to be the most uh, in about 20 years. Jameson says there are many factors driving workers to unionize, one being the pandemic. I think it changed a lot of people's perspective about work, uh, their expectations of work, and, and, and their relationship with their employer. To, to be honest, I think a lot of workers felt like their employers literally didn't, didn't care what happened during the pandemic. They just they wanted to keep, keep them working. Uh, a lot of people felt disrespected, and I think that's one reason they have decided to come together and try to do something about it. Another factor, undeniably, is the tight labor market we have right now. Unemployment is really low. A lot of employers saying they're having a hard time uh, finding people to fill jobs, and that gives workers uh, a lot of leverage, and, and it frankly makes it a good time if you want to try to unionize. Now is, is, is a very good time to do it, and, and a, another piece aside from the economics is the politics of it. have got a Democrat in the White House who has kind of reshaped some of the um, uh, the National Labor Relations Board that oversees elections. It's a lot more union-friendly, worker-friendly than it was uh, during the Trump years. And, and, and I think the folks there are um, much more likely to crack down on employers when they think they're, they're breaking the law or trying to, to illegally bust a union than, than they would be under Republicans. What types of protections uh, can workers seek by organizing? It's really all over the map what these workers are are demanding, and it depends a lot on on where they work. I think obviously pay. People always want more pay. Typically, we that's something we heard a lot at Amazon. Amazon has its first union now at at a, a warehouse in Staten Island. Those workers, I talked to workers there who were making around 16 bucks an hour. That's certainly not a lot of money for, for New York City. Uh, the union says it needs to be a lot higher. I was at an Amazon a walkout at an Amazon uh, facility in Prince George's County, Maryland earlier this year. 
workers there were making around 16 bucks an hour. That for the, the, the D.C., Baltimore area, that is not a lot of money. You're talking about a $33,000 salary per year. So those workers were calling for a $3 raise there. That, that's something uh, we see a lot, but we also hear a lot about um, safety and protections at work. I was talking with some some uh, Starbucks workers recently and, and Trader Joe's workers. Trader Joe's now has, has two unionized stores, another company that never had a union before. Now it has one. Worker I was talking to in Minneapolis, where they unionized, um, she said they've dealt with a lot of safety incidents at the, at the store. Um, this, this worker dealt with someone who came in uh, after having a gunshot wound, and uh, she said they just they don't know how to deal with these situations, um, and they they want they want train they want to be trained to handle those things. Jameson also added that he thinks for many workers that voted to unionize, it simply came down to wanting a seat at the table with the employer to raise their concerns in a formal setting. So how are employers responding? In general, they're, they're responding aggressively. There's um, a long history in this country of employers fighting union campaigns. Uh, especially since the, the 1980s, after the the big Patco strike that that Ronald Reagan broke, the air traffic that, that controllers, was, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, general sense that it was, uh, you know, kind of open season on unions, and 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 these days it's very common, uh, if not the default, for uh, an employer to to go get a um, you know high priced. Uh, law firm that specializes in battling unions and maybe even some anti-union consultants who they they bring in, fly in from all over the place to to hold meetings with workers to discourage them from unionizing. We saw that at Amazon. Amazon spent over $4 million on those consultants last year uh, to deal with with a couple of union campaigns, and and that's a lot of money for that sort of thing. Um, And at Starbucks, we've seen all kinds of allegations from the union, some of which, many of which the the, the labor board's uh, prosecutor has found merit in, uh, allegations that Starbucks fired union supporters, that they closed stores to have a, a chilling effect on workers who are considering this. Uh, Starbucks has, has denied all these allegations, but the, the, the board is pursuing cases against them, complaints regarding regarding this. And so we see companies generally fighting this uh, uh, very aggressively. But I think for a lot of them, what we've seen is employers that probably thought they would never have to deal with a union are, are now kind of facing up to the inevitable that, that, that it's kind of coming for them. Have you seen any instances of employers embracing a union effort? Uh, not many. I will say uh, one outlier was, was Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft came out with a statement recently where, where they said uh, if their workers chose to, to unionize, they would not, not fight the effort and, and they would uh, try to work collaboratively with it. And, and that was, um, you know, that's strangely a, a somewhat remarkable thing these days. But I think I frankly think it's very smart on, on Microsoft's part. They're probably kind of um, reading the writing on the wall and, and they know that there may be kind of um, uh, better strategies to dealing with the union than, than, than just fighting it to the bitter end. On the record, also spoke with a Starbucks barista and an Apple Store employee during the interview, and you can hear more at WYPR.org.
We cover the news of the day here on The Daily Dose, but it's also a platform for listeners like you. Got a thought or a story you want to share about life in the era of coronavirus? Leave us a voicemail to play on an upcoming episode. The number, 410-235-6060. We've also got a button on the WIPR app, so you can record a voice memo that way, too. Just tap Daily Dose comments on the app or give us a call. The number again, 410 235 6060. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WYPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Many thanks to my news team colleagues Rachel Bay, Shekinah Collier, Bethany Raja, John Lee, Joel McCord, and Kristen Mossbrugger. Our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. If you have a scoop or suggestion for this podcast, my social media hangout is Twitter at That's Pam Jones. So remember to be courageous and stay curious. I'm Pam Jones. Thanks for listening.